your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 702 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And who, boy, do I have a lot to say about this 3-2 overtime home loss to the Detroit Red Wings last night, Sunday night. Uh, just a game that the Rangers should have won. I mean, you could say that going into the game that they should win it. You could certainly say that based on how the first period unfolded. I mean, the Rangers weren't perfect in the first period, gave up a few too many shots on goal to be sure, but they had the momentum. They had to lead it two to nothing and another game that they let get away, another game that they really should win and uh, just failed to do so and failed to respond to, you know, a tough loss to the Boston Bruins in the last game. That's another thing that's going on with the Rangers right now is they are not responding as well to losses as they did last season, but I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here. Just to kind of go over quickly what we're going to talk about in today's episode, uh, the concept, or just the fact rather, that the bad losses are beginning to pile up very quickly here for the New York Rangers early in the season. Uh, we're also going to give some props to Yaroslav Halak. He stops 33 of 36 shots in this game and deserves infinitely better than his 0-4 record. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Halak's done a great job for the Rangers for the most part. Uh, also going to talk about uh, the line combinations as well as the mid-game adjustments, the line combinations that the Rangers rolled with in the third period. And uh, that's also going to include Chris Kreider being demoted to the fourth line and the comments that Gerard Gallant made about Chris Kreider after this game. And we're also going to give some props to Capo Caco, who I thought might have been the Rangers' best forward. I mean, he was certainly up there. Thought he had a really strong game for himself. Uh, had a goal, a really nice defensive play. Like I said, we'll get into all that in due time. Um, but again, just starting with this uh, this unfortunate, unsettling theme that's developing here. Uh, early in the season for the New York Rangers, you know, we're only a couple days, about a week into November here. The bad losses are really starting to pile up. You could honestly make the argument right now that the Rangers this season already have more bad losses than they had all year last year. And obviously, I'm just looking at the regular season. We're not going to include, you know, those two debacles in games three and four against the Penguins. But... And maybe expectations has something to do with that as well. You know, we're expecting a lot from the Rangers this season. But honestly, there are a lot of losses so far this season that when they end, you, you just shake your head and you cannot believe that the Rangers lost the game. It just feels like such a missed opportunity, leaving points on the table, which is something you cannot do right now, uh, given how tough the Metro is and how tough the Eastern Conference is in general. Um, but, you know, it's funny because in previous seasons, something that I've done here on Locked on New York Rangers when the season ends, I do a countdown. You know, we do the top 10 best wins of the season. That's usually a two-part episode. And for a while, I was also doing the top five worst losses of the season. And I didn't do that this past off season because it was a really good season for the Rangers. And, you know, I don't want the show to be negative. And on top of that, we had a shorter off season given the Rangers' deep playoff run this past season. But if I was to bring back top five worst losses at the end of the season, we have a lot of early candidates here. And I'm just going to go through them real quick to kind of illustrate my point. And again, just kind of reiterate the fact that I think that the Rangers have more bad losses so far this season than they did all year last year. So, I mean, it started 
with the 3-2 overtime loss at home against the then-winless, the then-0-5 San Jose Sharks. The Rangers, you know, were doing okay. They were up 2-1 going into the third. Not a great game, but one that you certainly think that they're going to pull away and win. And they have just an absolute... Uh, abomination of a third period. They allow the Sharks to tie the game. They were lucky they didn't lose it in regulation, but then they lost it in overtime. And then you think like, okay, well, bad loss, whatever. They'll put it in the rear view. They'll bounce back. That's what the Rangers do, right? That's the the uh, the trend that they established this past season. You know, just the way that they respond to losses. They always come back strong. Instead, they come back and they play just an awful game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. They lose that game 5-1 to one also at home. Then you've got two... Borderline bad losses, I mean, they certainly weren't, I don't know, they weren't like disasters, but uh, they were losses that, again, kind of left you sh- left shaking your head at least a little bit. Um, you had the 3-0 loss against the Islanders. Now, on one hand, Sorokin was fantastic in that game. I thought the Rangers, you know, played well at times, but they got shut out by their rival. So, not a great loss there, not a catastrophe either. But then you also have the loss against the Bruins. You're 2-2 going into the third period in that game, and... You get outscored in the third period, four to one, and you lose that game. And you know, granted, the Bruins are off to a fantastic start this year, and also the Rangers had to play without Ryan Lindgren in that game. They had to go with five defensemen for the final 50 minutes of that game, but it's still a bad loss because again, the Rangers, one of their staples last year, was dominating the third period, and they are certainly not doing that this season. And that was on full display in the loss to the Bruins. And now this one last night, I don't even know what to say, man. I, you just kind of throw up your arms, and you can't believe that the Rangers would lose a game like this, cruising right along, up to nothing against the Red Wings. Uh, they give up two. Bad goals. Neither of them were on Halak. They were uh, really on the skaters that were on the ice at the time. And, you know, the guys that were taking their sweet time getting off the ice during a line change on one of the two goals. And we're going to get to that in a, in a second here. But like I said, uh, the bad losses are really, really piling up. And part of the reason why, you know, it, it's so bad is because you look at the Metro Division. It's nothing new, but this division is loaded this year. I mean, it looks like there's a lot of good teams and some teams that have kind of, you know, stepped it up from where they were last season. You can honestly expand that to the entire Eastern Conference. How many bad teams are there in the Eastern Conference right now? I got my standings board over here. I mean, the Blue Jackets are off to a pretty bad start, but then again, they beat the Rangers 5-1. You know, the Senators aren't, uh, they're in last place in their division, but they haven't been bad either. They've had some impressive wins. Uh, The Penguins are scuffling, but you figure they'll, probably get it going sooner or later. I mean, hopefully not, but we'll see. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to like point at any team other than I guess maybe the Blue Jackets and say that's a bad team in the Eastern Conference. So uh, the Rangers really need to step it up here. There there are too many bad losses and way too many points being left on the table uh, early in the season here. And you just hope that I'm getting tired of saying this too. I keep, you know, looking ahead at the next game. Oh, well, let's just hope it turns around against uh, the Red Wings. Let's hope that it turns around against the Islanders. You know what? The Rangers need to step on the gas and they need to figure it out here. And they need to respond to a loss the way that they responded to losses last season. But we are just scratching the surface here. Uh, you are not going to want to miss uh, what I have to say about the line combinations, as well as, you know, what's going on with Chris Kreider right now and why he was demoted to the fourth line. Uh, we'll get into all that and a whole lot more in just a second here. But first, just got to let everybody know, today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Simply Safe. If you thought about securing your home with home security, but have been putting it off, you'll want to listen up. Right now, Locked On New York Rangers listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. This is their biggest offer of the year, and you won't want to miss it. Simply Safe. 
was named the best home security system of 2022 by U.S. News and World Report a third year in a row. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify that the threat is real so you can get priority police response. Simply Safe is whole home security with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door, HD security cameras for inside and out, smarter ways to detect motion that alert you only when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. 24-7 professional monitoring service costs less than a dollar a day, less than half the price of ADT's traditional professionally installed system. With the top-rated Simply Safe app, stay in control of your system. Anytime, anywhere, arm or disarm, unlock for a guest, access your cameras, or adjust system settings. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system that we recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL. This is their biggest discount of the year, so do not wait. That is simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL. There is no safe. Like Simply Safe. All right, we just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And as I was talking about just a second ago, I want to go ahead, kind of turn our attention to the line combinations, both the combinations that the Rangers started with at the beginning of this game, as well as the ones that they pivoted to heading into the third period. So for starters, uh, you've got top six was unchanged, Mika centering Kreider and Kako, uh, Trocek centering Panarin and Lafreniere. Then on the third line, Philip Hedl making his return to the lineup. And it's unfortunate that, you know, his big return kind of gets overshadowed by, you know, what turned out to be a pretty bad loss by the Rangers. I, I thought Hedl looked okay and, you know, probably still getting his legs under him. A couple scoring chances here and there. Uh, he also took an ill-advised penalty, but a decent, you know, return to the lineup for Philip Hedl. And Hedl's going to be important. You know, Hedl, we, we talked about the need for secondary scoring. And if he's going to be in the bottom six, uh, he's the biggest threat that they're going to have down there, at least based on, you know, these line combinations that the Rangers went with at the start of the game. He'll by far be the biggest threat, you know, as far as scoring is concerned in the bottom six. Uh, but yeah, he was third line center, back to his usual spot. Jimmy Vesey on the left wing, uh, Barclay Goodrow on the right wing. And then a fourth line of Carpenter centering Blay on the left wing, Julian Gauthier on the right wing. The only nitpick that I could have here going into the game is maybe put Gauthier on the third line instead of either Vesey or Goodrow. I mean, you could just flip-flap Gauthier and Goodrow or... You could put Gautier, third line right wing, move Goodrow from third line right wing to third line left wing, and then drop VZ from third line left wing to fourth line right wing. So you got some options there. I'm not going to go crazy about it, but I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think Gautier has a better chance of giving you something offensively than probably VZ does. Uh, Goodrow, maybe not. You know, Goodrow actually had a pretty nice offensive season for himself last year. I believe 33 points last year. I know it was a career high. So uh, yeah, I, I probably would find a way to get VZ to the fourth line and Gautier to the to the third line. But nothing too crazy. Nothing I can really nitpick here. You then have Keandre Miller and Adam Fox together as the first pairing. Uh, you have Zach Jones and Jacob Truba as the second pairing and Libor Hayek and Braden Schneider as the third pairing. This was kind of interesting because, you know, obviously Lindgren's out of the lineup. You were thinking maybe that Zach Jones might go up to the top pairing and, you know, they would leave Miller and Truba together. They split up Miller and Truba, which I also do not hate because I think both of those guys have more to give than what we've seen from them so far this season. I don't think either player has been at his absolute best, at least not consistent, consistently, excuse me, to start the season. 
So, you know, we'll see. I, I think it was fine. Maybe just trying to shake things up a little bit, get this team rolling. Uh, Miller and Fox is certainly a dynamic combination and maybe worth a look. Maybe Gallant went to just kind of take it for a test run. And, of course, later in this game, Adam Fox ended up playing with just about every single New York Ranger defenseman at one time or another. But that kind of leads me nicely into the, uh, the adjustments that the Rangers made going into the third period. And the Rangers... Keep in mind, we, we should probably talk first about just the decision to shake things up going into the third period because the Rangers, you know, good first period. Again, too many shots on goal allowed, and Yaroslav Halak bailed them out on several occasions, but they're up two to nothing. They certainly seem to have their legs under them. Uh, they were focused. They were locked into every shift. So more positives than negatives for the first period. The second period, everything just kind of fell apart. I, I don't know what happened. They just kind of fell asleep at the wheel. Red Wings were very opportunistic, fought their way back into the game. I don't know if the Rangers just thought they could be on cruise control at that point, um, but obviously that was not the case, and the Red Wings you know, come storming back in the second period. Bad second period for the Rangers, and so Gallant made some pretty significant changes to the lineup going into the third period. And I saw you know, on social media certain people took issue with certain things that he did. I don't have a problem with this at all. There were a couple of things from Gallant last night that I could uh, nitpick, and I'm going to do so a little bit later in this episode. But as far as shaking up the line combinations going into the third, I didn't have a problem with it at all. And some people were saying like, man, it feels like they just picked all these players at a hat. You know what? Good. If, if it comes down to that, if that's a way to send a message from Gallant to the team that that second period was just awful and that we need a shakeup, and you know what? I'm just going to go with uh, different line combinations. We're just going to put random players with random players, and you guys need to figure it out. If that's the message that he sent, good. And honestly, you look at what happened. I mean, the Rangers played a lot better in the third period than they did in the second period. They did just about everything but score in the third period. So obviously, these line combinations clicked uh, more than what they were going with in the second period. There was kind of a random feel to them. And for the record, I don't think Gallant just picked names out of a hat. I'm sure there was a method to what he was doing here. But I like the idea of, you know what, that period sucked, and we're just going to mix things up, and you guys figure it out. Put the challenge on the players. You're out there with two new line mates. You're out there with two guys you don't usually play with. Fine. You know what? You have to figure it out. And, you know, it, it sort of worked because the Rangers, again, got their, their, their game back a little bit in the third period, just did not score. But as far as what the line combos were, you had Mika centering Panarin and Kako. And I like this a lot. I thought, again, Kako was maybe the best player on the ice for the Rangers. I mean, Halak probably was. But as far as skaters are concerned, it might have been Kako last night. And he gets rewarded for that. He gets to stay with Mika on the top line and gets to play with Panarin as well. So the Rangers really stacked that top line, really went with the three guys that on this night for sure probably were playing the best out of any you know Ranger forwards and gave you the best chance of getting a goal there. So I like that, super stacking the top line. And then the second line, you had Heedle. He moves into the top six, centering Lafreniere on the left wing, Barclay Goodrow on the right wing. So that was kind of interesting. You see Heedle and Goodrow uh, both jump up to the middle pairing. And then the third line, you have Trocek centering VZ on the left wing, Blay on the right wing. Now, I don't think Trocek was like being demoted, quote unquote. Uh, he's been one of the more consistent Ranger forwards. Maybe not his best game last night. But when you're juggling the lineup, inevitably, somebody is going to have to move down the lineup that doesn't really deserve it. It's it's sort of a demotion, but not really. It's more just a case of shuffling the deck. And I think that's what was going on here with Trocek. Again, they're just trying different things here and trying to make something work. But the thing that caught everybody's eye, including myself, is the fact that Chris Kreider was sent down to the fourth line. He was on the left wing, uh, Carpenter at center, Gautier on the right wing. And it's funny because 
the third period starts and there's different combinations out there and you know these three players are together and, and I'm just learning it right on the fly like you guys were you know as far as who's playing with who for these revamped Ranger lines and you know I'm writing down the line combos and you see the first line you see what looks to be the second line you see what looks to be the third line and at that point you're kind of like you know there's there's somebody big missing here because I'm writing all the names you know into my notes and then I realized oh wow it's Kreider Kreider was on the fourth line with Carpenter and with Gautier and I don't think it was unwarranted. I mean, on one hand, you're in a tie game, and you figure Kreider is still a threat. But Kreider, man, you know, he just—we've kind of gone back to streaky up-and-down Kreider this season, which I did not think was going to happen. I thought he kind of had that light bulb moment last season and that this is what we were going to get out of him going forward. But there's just been too many games this season where he's either invisible or just doesn't look engaged— doesn't seem to want to fight for the puck. I know that early in the season, you know, he, he was good at the start of the season, and there were a lot of times where he was having some really bad puck luck. He would either hit the post or the goalie would rob him or something would happen where you know it looked like he deserved a goal and just didn't get it. Um, but I, I hope it's not a case now where he, he's like sulking about it and he's upset about it and he's just not engaged because of that. Uh, you know, he's been in this league for a long time now. I believe he's now 31 years old. He's got to understand there's got to be ebbs and flows and up ups and downs to every single season, and he's just got to stick with it, and he's got to keep going regardless of whether the puck is going in the net or not. Uh, but yeah, he was out there on the fourth line, and as far as the defense pairings are concerned, I mean, this was hard to even keep track of because Zach Jones was benched, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the game. I did not agree with that decision. We will get to that in due time, but you had uh, Truba with Hayek. You had Schneider with Fox to start the third period. Uh, Fox was later back out there with Keandre Miller. And then a little bit later, Fox was out there with Hayek. So Fox played with just about everybody in this game. Uh, it was pretty crazy. Um, but as far as the line combos are, are concerned, you know, Glant was asked about that as well. And he was specific, specifically asked about you know Chris Kreider being dropped down from the first line to the third line. And he said he deserved to be where he was at. He wasn't alone. So... Not pulling any punches there is Gerard Gallant. He expects more out of Chris Kreider. I think we all expect more out of Chris Kreider. And, um, you know, I do like the fact that he added that he wasn't alone because clearly Kreider was not the only Ranger that scuffled a little bit on this night. But when you look at the season so far, as far as, you know, it's not a train wreck. I mean, the Rangers have won six out of their first 13 games now. It's not ideal. It's not where we thought we would be. Clearly, they're still in this fight, though. But as far as, like, players that have disappointed to start the season, Kreider's up there. Uh, Truba is certainly up there. I might even throw Keandre Miller in there a little bit. Maybe some of the kids as well. Um, there's just guys that aren't playing at the level that you expect them to play at. And with Kreider, just not competing at the level that you expect him to compete at. So, you know, it finally cut up to Kreider. He got the demotion here. And uh, I would imagine as far as these line combos are concerned, it's hard to say. You know, do they do they go back to their the way they started this game for the start of the next game? And maybe they have a short leash and they're willing to juggle the lines again? Or... Do you go into the next game with these line combos? I don't think we're going to see Kreider, um, you know, starting on the fourth line in the next game. But you could see some iteration of this, you know, some of these lines. Uh, maybe maybe you stick with Mika centering Panarin and Kako. It might be time to break Mika and Kreider apart from each other for a little while. I mean, it's a good combination, but they haven't been clicking this season the way that we're used to seeing them click. So I wouldn't mind seeing the two of them on different lines. We'll see. And uh, we're going to discuss... That and a lot more in our next episode. We're going to be doing a crossover with Gil Martin from Locked On at New York Islanders. Looking forward to that. Always a good time talking hockey with Gil. But we're not done yet today. Not yet by a long shot. We still got to give some props to Yaroslav Halak. Uh, call out the Rangers for the goals that were given up because I don't think either one of them in regulation were on Halak. And for that matter, the overtime goal was not on Halak really either. Uh, just a good play by the Red Wings. Uh, but we're going to get to all that in just a second. 
And uh, yeah, we will discuss that and a whole lot more. All right, so Yaroslav Halak, he was awesome in this game. And like I said in the intro, deserves a lot better than his current 0-4 record. Um, you know, he, he stopped 33 to 36 shots in this game. A lot of highlight-worthy saves and a couple that I'm going to talk about here. So first period, you could tell very early that Yaroslav Halak brought his A game because Detroit's on the power play. He made two really nice saves while the Rangers were a man down, uh, including a phenomenal second save against Dylan Larkin. Uh, just really extended his glove, made a great glove stop. Uh, then a little bit later in the same power play, an awesome sliding save by Halak moving to his left, uh, kept the puck out, and uh, just fantastic stuff. Kept the Rangers uh, scoreless at this point in the game. Rangers were really back on their toes a little bit here, really back on their heels rather, and uh, Halak bailed them out a couple of times. Detroit had another power play. This one was also in the first period, and this one was, you know, highlight real worthy because the Red Wings made four just rapid fire passes. I mean, just one after the next. Excellent passing by the Red Wings. And Halak moves hard to his left, anticipating a shot. But he also kept his right leg against the post uh, on the other side of the net. And that really proved to be important because the Red Wings worked the puck over to Lucas Raymond. Uh, Raymond looked like he had an easy tapping goal. Uh, but Halak, like I said, kept his skate up against the post, kept the puck out. Uh, fantastic save there. Highlight reel worthy, like I said. It would have been a highlight reel goal by the Red Wings because the passing was just unreal. But Halak with an even better save. So good stuff there. And I'm eventually going to uh, get into a couple other saves by Halak because we're going to break down uh, some things that happened in the third period, a couple things that happened in the overtime as well. But I also want to... Uh, Talk about the two goals that the Rangers gave up in regulation to kind of illustrate my point that I don't think either one of these was on Yaroslav Halak, and it's just a case of the Rangers, again, just falling asleep at the wheel. You cannot keep doing this. You cannot keep having these lapses where you just have a bad period or a bad couple of shifts or you just fall asleep at a certain point or you don't win a 50-50 puck. These are This is the antithesis of Ranger hockey. This is the antithesis of what this team did this entire last season. That's why it's so frustrating to see this same group of players have these kinds of issues, things that were rarely, if ever, issues for this team last year. And I know, you know, it's easy to look at the roster that the Rangers had at the end of the season last year and into the playoffs and say, like, well, you know, they don't have those guys anymore. They don't have Kopp, and they don't have uh, Strom and Vetrano and Mott and Braun. And that's all well and good, and that's all true. But when you look at the team at this time last season, you know, early November, versus the team that the Rangers had uh, this season, you know, this season versus last season, the two rosters in November, they're very similar because, you know, Cop wasn't on the team at this time last year. Neither was Mott or Vetrano or Braun. So, yeah, it hurts losing those guys, but it's the same players just about. It's just Trocek instead of Strom, which is probably an upgrade. It's basically the same team, you know, aside from a couple of other parts, you know, Carpenter instead of Rooney or whatever it might be. But it's basically the same team right now at this point in this season that the Rangers had at this point in last season. And it's the same players, but they're making mistakes and having lapses that they did not have last season. That's why it's so frustrating to see this happen. But as far as the goals that the Rangers allowed, again, you know, they're up two to nothing at this point. Not a perfect first period, but... As I mentioned earlier, more positives than negatives, and they just opened the door and let Detroit right back into the game because you've got a turnover by Barclay Goodrow in the neutral zone. Uh, the Red Wings steal the puck. They carry it up the right side. Goodrow and Schneider are both there, but they're both kind of reaching for the puck, and nobody really makes a play on it. Red Wings throw the puck back to the blue line, over to the center of the ice, and shot is taken. It gets deflected, goes into the net, and just like that, Detroit has cut the Ranger lead to 2-1, to one, all started because of a Ranger turnover, and uh, obviously not good there. Uh, not a good goal to allow, but the second one was even worse. This this second goal was infuriating because 
The Rangers' top line, I don't know what they were doing. They were just nonchalantly and very slowly skating over to the bench for a line change while Detroit has a rush up the ice. And so they basically put Truba and Jones, they hung them out to dry and Halak too. And Truba and Jones were not good on this play either. But it might have been nice to have a couple of forwards back-checking because they were back there by themselves. And, you know, you, you see the Red Wings making all these passes and they've got all the time in the world to do whatever they wanted to do on this play. And I, I'm watching this and I'm, I'm like, I'm expecting the Rangers, like, forwards to jump into the frame. But no, they were all just, like, drifting toward the bench for a line change. Not a good time to be uh, changing lines there. And as a result of that, you know, Truba and Jones, they're, about, they're both outnumbered 3-2 to two on this play. Uh, Truba went down to his knee to try to block a shot. That didn't work. The shot went on net anyway. Halak made a really nice save there, turned it aside. There's a rebound. And then Halak, a phenomenal uh, right pad save on the stuff-in try by Detroit. Zach Jones is there, but he can't make a play. He can't body anybody. He can't get his stick on the puck. He basically uh, provided no resistance here whatsoever. And on the third try, it was a charm for the Red Wings. Uh, Suter scores uh, from a bit of a tough angle on the side of the net there. But not good, man. I mean, the, the five Rangers skaters all failed Yaroslav Halak on this play. And I don't know what the forwards were thinking, going for going for a line change uh, while all this was happening, while there's a rush up the ice. Not a good time to be changing lines. And, and you know, if you're going to change lines, if you're just completely gassed and you've got nothing left and it's like, my God, I got to get off the ice, then you got to dig down and you got to at least get to the bench a little bit faster than these guys were getting to the bench. Because watching the replay, these guys are just drifting, not even skating, not even moving their legs, just drifting to the bench. And meanwhile, Detroit, you know, they're they're taking their time and they're making all these great passes and they're in the Rangers zone and they end up scoring a goal because of it. So not good, not good at all. And just the kind of stuff that, again, we're so not used to seeing the Rangers do. We're not used to seeing them uh, make these kinds of mistakes and have these kinds of mental lapses uh, at various points in the game. You just cannot do this and, and live to tell about it. You're not going to win games. I mean, Detroit's a better team now than they used to be. They're better than they've been the last couple of seasons and, um, I, I, again, I, I don't know if the Rangers just thought they could go on cruise control, but obviously that was not the case. Detroit came back, and props to them for doing so and taking advantage of these Ranger miscues here. So a couple of highlights for the third period here. Uh, the one talking point also in the third period is that Zach Jones was not playing in the third period. Now, I just got done talking about a play in which Zach Jones certainly did not look good, uh, that being the second Detroit goal. But I don't know. I mean, watching this game— was Zach Jones any worse than any of the other Ranger defensemen who were not named Adam Fox? I don't think this is a banner night really for any of the Ranger defensemen. And to pull him off the ice in the third period and, you know, you're in a tie game, well, now you have to go with just five defensemen the rest of the way, which is one of the reasons why you probably lost to the Bruins. Now, it's a little bit different because if you bench Jones just for the third period, then you're going just one period with five defensemen. And of course, Lingren got hurt, so it wasn't by choice for the Rangers. But in that game, you know, obviously the Rangers had to go two and a half periods with just five defensemen. So it adds up a little bit more than it would in a situation like this. But still, I mean, the, the time on the ice for these guys was just ridiculous. I, I got to pull it up here because uh, it needs to be seen to be believed. Uh, the discrepancy between the top three uh, Ranger defensemen, as far as time on the ice is concerned, and the bottom three. So Adam Fox led the way. 29 minutes and 38 seconds for Adam Fox. Uh, Keandre Miller was out there for 27.05, and Shuba out there for 22.46. So you've got three defensemen playing really significant minutes for the Rangers. I mean, especially Fox and, and Miller. They're both out there for almost half an hour each. And then, you know, as far as the, the bottom three, uh, Hayek got 15.13, Shiner got 14.03, excuse me, and Jones had 12.39. So 
I don't know. I mean, you're you're just you're running these guys into the ground and you're doing it for no good reason. Like I said, was it a great night for Zach Jones? No. I don't think it was a great night for many Ranger defensemen though. And you take him off the ice and you're just running everybody's, you know, time on the ice through the roof. And um I, I don't think that's an ideal way to go about things. And like I said, you could have probably picked any of the other Ranger defensemen and, and pulled him off the ice as well. I mean, I don't know. To me, it just wasn't a good time to to pick on the rookie here. Uh so a couple other things from the third period. Uh there was a play that Lafreniere really needed to pull the trigger. It was getting late in the third period. And the Rangers, like I said, they were buzzing in the third period. Certainly uh, outshot Detroit, outchanced Detroit. But again, you let a team back into the game like the Rangers did in the second period, and you're playing with fire because, you know, it's a 2-2 game in the third. It's anybody's ball game at that point. You know, you can uh, you can have the better of play and still end up losing. And of course, that's what happened to the Rangers. But you had Philip Heedle passing to Alexi Lafreniere across the ice. A really nice pass. Lafreniere got the pass in the right face-off circle, had a chance to shoot. I mean, Nijelkovic was kind of scrambling to get back to his left and get in position and uh, make the save. I, I think Lafreniere's got to let it fly here. Instead, he kind of stick handles, tries to force a pass. You know, it doesn't work, and the Rangers don't even get a scoring opportunity out of this. So uh, that that's the situation. It was getting late in the third. Alexi Lafreniere has to pull the trigger there. Uh, Filipino ended up getting another nice scoring opportunity with 106 left. He was right there on the doorstep, tried to backhand it in. Uh, that was turned aside. But then, you know, I mentioned Yaroslav Halak and some of the saves that he was making. I got to call some attention to this one. This one happened with just 45 seconds remaining in regulation. Red Wings have the puck in the corner on the Rangers side of the ice. Uh, they try to, or they do rather, uh, pass it across the ice. And Halak is there. He's got to slide hard to his right, makes a phenomenal sliding save against Hironik. Uh, saved the game with 45 seconds left. Just a clutch save by Yaroslav Halak there. And then we get to overtime. And... You know, it's really important. It's a really important decision, whether you're the Rangers or anybody else. Overtime starts. It's three on three. Okay, who are the three guys that I got to go to? Who was, you know, really excelling in this game? Whose skill set translates the best to three on three hockey? Because three on three hockey and five on five hockey, it's borderline a different sport when you consider all the extra real estate out there uh, when you're playing three on three. But what I found so strange about this is in a game where Dragalant determined that Chris Kreider needed to be demoted from the first line to the fourth line. And for the record, I agree with that because I don't think Kreider has played well enough recently, and I think uh, that sends a message. And honestly, the fourth line didn't play half bad for the Rangers in that third period. You know, Kreider and uh, Carpenter and Gauthier. Kreider almost set up Gauthier uh, for what could have been a a game-winning goal. You know, he passed from behind the net in front to Gauthier. Gauthier put it just a little bit wide. Um, But again, the bottom line is Kreider was demoted, first line to fourth line. In that very same game, you, as Gerard Gallant, now determine that, okay, this guy had to be demoted from the first line to the fourth line, but I'm also going to start him in overtime when there's only three players on the ice. How does that make any sense? The only thing I can really come up with is that maybe he didn't want to just keep, you know, beating Kreider over the head. Maybe he felt like the uh, message had been sent. And as I just mentioned, that fourth line of Kreider, Carpenter, and Gauthier didn't play half bad in the third period. So maybe by that point in the game, uh, Gallant had determined that, okay, you know, Chris got the message. He's kind of worked his way back to, uh, you know, he's worked his way back into my good graces, and I'm not going to deviate from what we usually do in overtime. Uh, He's going to be one of my go-to guys out there, and he's going to start the overtime with Mika and with Fox. That at least would make some sense, but I don't know. Even even with all that being said, I I can't make sense out of demoting somebody from the first line to the fourth line and then having them start the overtime period. And I know, yes, Kreider, he won the last overtime game against the Flyers. Maybe that has something to do with it as well, but just, just a strange decision. Demoting somebody from the first line to the fourth line, then starting them in overtime, that does not compute. That does not add up. Those two moves do not 
uh, you know, align with one another, so to speak. Um, but then we've got a situation where, you know, a couple of decent scoring chances for each team. Uh, but then, you know, Ke'Andre Miller's got the puck. He's at the blue line or inside the blue line of the Red Wings. He's in the, the Red Wings zone, and he's forced out of the zone, and he ends up uh, holding the stick of Perron because Perron basically forced him across the blue line out of the Detroit zone. Uh, Miller had his arm around Perron's stick. He gets called for the penalty, and this play actually continued, and uh, Perron drove to the net. Halak fought off a really tough shot on this one as well, and the Rangers touched up. But just like that, Detroit now gets a four-on-three power play uh, opportunity in the overtime period here. The Rangers go with Mika Schneider and Truba. And, you know, Halak makes another nice save against Perron. Uh, Truba blocks a shot by Kubalik, but then eventually, you know, Detroit maintains possession of the puck. You got Perron passing in deep to his right across the top of the crease to Kubalik and Kubalik with the tap-in goal. And when this goal went in, uh, Halak, you know, he takes his stick and he's just smashing it against the goal, uh, against the, the crossbar there. And Yaroslav Halak was all of us in that moment. That was cathartic to see him do that. I, I can really appreciate the competitive fire. And he'll never say it. You know, no goalie will ever say this and ever, uh, you know, throw his team under the bus like this. But man, he deserved a win tonight and his teammates failed him. It's as simple as that. Uh, all three of these goals were on the Rangers skaters as opposed to Yaroslav Halak. The first one was on a deflection after a turnover. Would have been a very difficult save for any goalie in this league to make. The second one was a complete disaster. Uh, the Rangers with a sloppy line change. And then Truba and Jones, you know, just not really helping at all there. And it took Detroit three grade-A scoring chances to actually get the puck by Halak. And then you've got this goal in overtime, which comes as the result of Ke'Andre Miller, you know, being forced to take a penalty. He was pressured out of the zone, grabs the stick, He's in the penalty box, four-on-three power play. There's always a good chance a team is going to score on such a power play, and that's what happens here. And, um, you know, a, a very tough-to-defend shot there, too. It was a perfect pass and, uh, you know, a tipping goal right there from the uh, from the doorstep. So I feel for Yaroslav a lot, man. He deserves a, deserves a heck of a lot better than his 0-4 record. Uh, I also did want to give some props to... Uh, to Capo Caco here, he had the goal in the first period. He had a shot go wide by Jacob Truba. Uh, the Rangers end up working it back to Jones. Jones passes over to Truba. Truba, Truber. Truba sets it up to Chris Kreider. Kreider's got it in the high slot. Uh, Kreider deflects the puck toward the net. Uh, a Red Wing was down on the ice and you know blocked the puck, but Capo Caco skates along, very opportunistic, picks up the puck, skates across the uh, slot area and fires it into the net and gives the Rangers a one nothing lead. So a great play by Caco there. Caco made a play later in this game in the uh, second period that I thought was even better, though, because Caco was making some moves up the right side. He was in on, the, on the attack, uh, played it in front. He had two teammates there, but everybody missed his pass. Red Wings break out. They go the opposite way. Caco backchecks like an absolute maniac on this play, just flies back up the ice, and then lays out and dives full extension of his stick and breaks up a pass. Uh, one of the Ranger defensemen was able to corral it after that, but a phenomenal play by Capo Caco there. The game was tied at 2-2 two two at that point, so a big play there to deny the Red Wings even an opportunity there. So great play by Caco. And, you know, I mentioned a second ago that I didn't like, you know, Kreider starting the overtime after being demoted. How about Capo Caco starting the overtime? He had a great game for the Rangers to begin with. And on top of that, you know, we've, mar we've really marveled at his puck possession skills this season. Well, that's what you want in overtime. There there's so much open real estate out there, and puck possession is such an important part of the three-on-three -three overtime. If you lose the opening faceoff in overtime, there's a decent chance you're not even going to get the puck. I mean, you probably will, but by that same token, you know, we see a lot of overtimes where the team that wins the opening faceoff, it's three-on-three, -three, ton of real estate out there. 
You're going to have scoring chances. A lot of times, a team that wins the faceoff will score before the other team really even touches the puck. And um, it would have been nice to have Capo Caco out there and uh, maybe work his magic and get the Rangers a win. But obviously, they didn't do that. And uh, yeah, just just not a good game for the Rangers. It's it's hard to figure out what, what's going on right now, how the Rangers are losing these games, the kinds of games that you would just never expect them to lose, the kinds of games that they never lost last year, and just wasting too many good things. You know, Capo Caco's got three points in his last two games. The Rangers are wasting that. Yaroslav Halak comes off the bench. I mean, he started this game, but you know what I mean. He's the backup goalie, and they waste a phenomenal performance by him. They also waste a game in which they are up by two goals at home against the Detroit Red Wings. These have to be wins. You can't keep losing games like this. Eastern Conference and the Metro Division are far too good to continue to lose games like this. And again, now we keep our fingers crossed that they figure it out and get a big two points against the New York Islanders. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.